BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Book 8, Chapters 1-6 to of The Confessions by St. Augustine. Translated by E.B. Pusey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Book 8. Augustine's 32nd year. He consults Simplicianus. From him hears the history of the conversion of Victorinus, and longs to devote himself entirely to God, but is mastered by his old habits, is still further roused by the history of St. Anthony and the conversion of two courtiers. During a severe struggle, hears a voice from heaven opens scripture and is converted with his friend Alypius, his mother's vision fulfilled chapter one o my god let me with thanksgiving remember and confess unto thee thy mercies on me let my bones be bedewed with thy love and let them say unto thee who is like unto thee o lord thou hast broken my bonds in sunder i will offer unto thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and how thou hast broken them I will declare. And all who worship thee, when they hear this, shall say, Blessed be the Lord, in heaven and in earth, great and wonderful is his name. Thy words had stuck fast in my heart, and I was hedged round about on all sides by thee. Of thy eternal life I was now certain, though I saw it in a figure, and as through a glass. Yet I had ceased to doubt that there was an incorruptible substance, whence was all other substance, nor did I now desire to be more certain of thee, but more steadfast in thee. But for my temporal life all was wavering, and my heart had to be purged from the old leaven. The way, the Saviour himself, well pleased me, but as yet I shrunk from going through its straightness. And thou didst put into my mind, and it seemed good in my eyes, to go to Simplicianus, who seemed to me a good servant of thine, and thy grace shone in him. I had heard also that from his very youth he had lived most devoted unto thee. Now he was grown into years, and by reason of so great age spent in such zealous following of thy ways, he seemed to me likely to have learned much experience, and so he had. Out of which store I wished that he would tell me, setting before him my anxieties, which were the fittest way for one, in my case, to walk in thy paths. For I saw the church full, and one went this way and another that way, but I was displeased that I led a secular life. Yea, now that my desires no longer inflamed me as of old, with hopes of honour and profit, a very grievous burden it was to undergo so heavy a bondage. For, in comparison of thy sweetness and the beauty of thy house which I loved, those things delighted me no longer. But still I was enthralled with the love of woman, 
nor did the apostle forbid me to marry although he advised me to something better chiefly wishing that all men were as himself was but i being weak chose the more indulgent place and because of this alone was tossed up and down in all beside faint and wasted with withering cares because in other matters i was constrained against my will to conform myself to a married life to which i was given up and enthralled i had heard from the mouth of the truth that there were some eunuchs which had made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake but saith he let him who can receive it receive it surely vain are all men who are ignorant of god and could not out of the good things which are seen find out him who is good but i was no longer in that vanity i had surmounted it and by the common witness of all thy creatures i had found thee our creator and thy word god with thee and together with thee one god by whom thou createst all things there is yet another kind of ungodly who knowing god glorified him not as god neither were thankful in this also i had fallen but thy right hand upheld me and took me thence and thou placed me where i might recover for thou hast said unto man behold the fear of the lord is wisdom and desire not to seem wise because they who affirmed themselves to be wise became fools but i had now found the goodly pearl which selling all that i had i ought to have bought and i hesitated chapter two to simplicianus then i went the father of ambrose a bishop now in receiving thy grace and whom ambrose truly loved as a father to him i related the mazes of my wanderings but when i mentioned that i had read certain books of the platonius such as victorinus sometime rhetoric professor of rome who had died a christian as i had heard had translated into latin he testified his joy that i had not fallen upon the writings of other philosophers full of fallacies and deceits after the rudiments of this world whereas the platonists many ways led to the belief in god and his word then to exhort me to the humility of christ hidden from the wise and revealed to little ones he spoke of victorinus himself whom while at rome he had most intimately known and of him he related what i will not conceal for it contains great praise of thy grace to be confessed unto thee how that aged man most learned and skilled in the liberal sciences and who had read and weighed so many works of the philosophers the instructor of so many noble senators who also as a monument of his excellent discharge of his office had which men of this world esteem a high honour both deserved and obtained a statue in the roman forum he to that age a worshipper of idols and a partaker of the sacrilegious rites to which almost all the nobility of rome were given up and had inspired the people with the love of anubis barking deity and all the monster gods of every kind who fought against neptune venus and minerva whom rome once conquered now adored all which the aged victorinus had with thundering eloquence so many years defended he now blushed not to be the child of thy christ and the new-born babe of thy fountain submitting his neck to the yoke of humility and subduing his forehead to the reproach of the cross o lord lord which hast bowed the heavens and come down touched the mountains and they smoke by what means didst thou convey thyself into that breast he used to read as simplicianus said the holy scripture most studiously sought and searched into all the christian writings and said to simplicianus not openly but privately and as a friend understand that i am already a christian whereto he answered 
i will not believe it nor will i rank you among christians unless i see you in the church of christ the other in banter replied do walls then make christians and this he often said that he was already a christian and simplicianus as often made the same answer and the conceit of the walls was by the other as often renewed for he feared to offend his friends proud demon worshippers from the height of whose babylonian dignity as from the cedars of libanus which the lord had not yet broken down he supposed the weight of enmity would fall upon him but after that by reading and earnest thought he had gathered firmness and feared to be denied by christ before the holy angels should he now be afraid to confess him before men and appear to himself guilty of a heavy offence in being ashamed of the sacraments of the humility of thy word and not being ashamed of the sacrilegious rites of those proud demons whose pride he had imitated and their rites adopted he became bold-faced against vanity and shamefaced towards the truth and suddenly and unexpectedly said to simplicianus as himself told me go we to the church i wish to be made a christian but he not containing himself for joy went with him and having been admitted to the first sacrament and become a catechumen not long after he further gave in his name that he might be regenerated by baptism rome wondering the church rejoicing the proud saw and were wroth they gnashed with their teeth and melted away but the lord god was the hope of thy servant and he regarded not vanities and lying madness to conclude when the hour was come for making profession of his faith which at rome they who were about to approach to thy grace deliver from an elevated place in the sight of all the faithful in a set form of words committed to memory the presbyters he said offered victorinus as was done to such as seemed likely through bashfulness to be alarmed to make his profession more privately but he chose rather to profess his salvation in the presence of the holy multitude for it was not salvation that he taught in rhetoric and yet that he had publicly professed how much less than ought he when pronouncing thy word to dread thy meek flock who when delivering his own words had not feared a mad multitude when then he went up to make his profession all as they knew him whispered his name one to another with the voice of congratulation and who there knew him not and there ran a low murmur through all the mouths of the rejoicing multitude victorinus victorinus sudden was the burst of rapture that they saw him suddenly they were hushed that they might hear him he pronounced the true faith with an excellent boldness and all wished to draw him into their very heart yea by their love and joy they drew him thither such were the hands wherewith they drew him chapter three good god what takes place in man that he should more rejoice at the salvation of a soul despaired of and freed from greater peril than if there had always been hope of him or the danger had been less for so thou also merciful father dost more rejoice over one penitent than over ninety-nine just persons that need no repentance and with much joyfulness do we hear so often as we hear with what joy the sheep which had strayed is brought back upon the shepherd's shoulder and the groat is restored to thy treasury the neighbours rejoicing with the woman who found it and the joy of the solemn service of thy house forceth to tears when in thy house it is read of the younger son that he was dead and lived again had been lost and is found for thou rejoicest in us and in thy holy angels holy through holy charity for thou art ever the same for all things which abide not the same nor for ever thou for ever knowest in the same way 
what then takes place in the soul when it is more delighted at finding or recovering the things it loves than if it had ever had them yea and other things witness hereunto and all things are full of witnesses crying out so is it the conquering commander triumpheth yet had he not conquered unless he had fought and the more peril there was in the battle so much the more joy is there in the triumph the storms toss the sailors threaten shipwreck all wax pale at approaching death sky and sea are calmed and they are exceeding joyed as having been exceeding afraid a friend is sick and his pulse threatens danger all who long for his recovery are sick in mind with him he is restored though as yet he walks not with his former strength yet there is such joy as was not when before he walked sound and strong yea the very pleasures of human life men acquire by difficulties not those only which fall upon us unlooked for and against our wills but even by self-chosen and pleasure-seeking trouble eating and drinking have no pleasure unless there precede the pinching of hunger and thirst men given to drink eat certain salt meats to procure a troublesome heat which the drink allaying causes pleasure it is also ordered that the affianced bride should not at once be given lest as a husband he should hold cheap whom as betrothed he sighed not after this law holds in foul and accursed joy this in permitted and lawful joy this in the very purest perfection of friendship this in him who was dead and lived again had been lost and was found everywhere the greater joy is ushered in by the greater pain what means this o lord my god whereas thou art everlasting joy to thyself and some things around thee evermore rejoice in thee what means this that this portion of things thus ebbs and flows alternately displeased and reconciled is this their allotted measure is this all thou hast assigned to them whereas from the highest heavens to the lowest earth from the beginning of the world to the end of ages from the angel to the worm from the first motion to the last thou settest each in its place and realizest each in their season everything good after its kind woe is me how high art thou in the highest and how deep in the deepest and thou never departest and we scarcely return to thee chapter four up lord and do stir us up and recall us kindle and draw us in flame grow sweet unto us let us now love let us run do not many out of a deeper hell of blindness than victorinus return to thee approach and are enlightened receiving that light which they who receive receive power from thee to become thy sons but if they be less known to the nations even they that know them joy less for them for when many joy together each also has more exuberant joy for that they are kindled and inflamed one by the other again because those known to many influence the more towards salvation and lead the way with many to follow and therefore do they also who precede them much rejoice in them because they rejoice not in them alone for far be it that in thy tabernacle the persons of the rich should be accepted before the poor or the noble before the ignoble seeing rather thou hast chosen the weak things of the world to confound the strong and the base things of this world and the things despised hast thou chosen and those things which are not that thou mightest bring to naught things that are and yet even that least of thy apostles by whose tongue thou soundest forth these words when through his warfare paulus the proconsul his pride conquered was made to pass under the easy yoke of thy christ 
and become a provincial of thy great king he also for his former name saul was pleased to be called paul in testimony of so great a victory for the enemy is more overcome in one of whom he hath more hold by whom he hath hold of more but the proud he hath more hold of through their nobility and by them of more through their authority but how much the more welcome then the heart of victorinus was esteemed which the devil had held as an impregnable possession the tongue of victorinus with which mighty and keen weapon he had slain many so much the more abundantly ought thy sons to rejoice for that our king hath bound the strong man and they saw his vessels taken from him and cleansed and made meat for thy honour and become serviceable for the lord unto every good work chapter five but when that man of thine simplicianus related to me this of victorinus i was on fire to imitate him for for this very end had he related it but when he had subjoined also how in the days of the emperor julian a law was made whereby christians were forbidden to teach the liberal sciences or oratory and how he obeying this law chose rather to give over the wordy school than thy word by which thou makest eloquent the tongues of the dumb he seemed to me not more resolute than blessed in having thus found opportunity to wait on thee only which thing i was sighing for bound as i was not with another's irons but by my own iron will my will the enemy held and thence had made a chain for me and bound me for of a forward will was a lust made and a lust served became custom and custom not resisted became necessity by which links as it were joined together whence i called it a chain a hard bondage held me enthralled but that new will which had begun to be in me freely to serve thee and to wish to enjoy thee o god the only assured pleasantness was not yet able to overcome my former wilfulness strengthened by age thus did my two wills one new the other old one carnal the other spiritual struggle within me and by their discord undid my soul thus i understood by my own experience what i had read how the flesh lusteth after the spirit and the spirit against the flesh myself verily either way yet more myself in that which i approved in myself than in that which in myself i disproved for in this last it was now for the more part not myself because in much i rather endured against my will than acted willingly and yet it was through me that custom had obtained this power of warring against me because i had come willingly whether i willed not and who has any right to speak against it if just punishment follow the sinner nor had i now any longer my former plea that i therefore as yet hesitated to be above the world and serve thee for that the truth was not altogether ascertained to me for now it too was but i still under service to the earth refused to fight under thy banner and feared as much to be freed of all encumbrances as we should fear to be encumbered with it thus with the baggage of this present world i was held down pleasantly as in sleep and the thoughts wherein i meditated on thee were like the efforts of such as would awake who yet overcome with a heavy drowsiness and are again drenched therein and as no one would sleep for ever and in all men's sober judgment waking is better yet a man for the most part feeling a heavy lethargy in all his limbs defers to shake off sleep and though half displeased yet even after it is time to rise with pleasure yields to it so was i assured 
that much better were it for me to give myself up to thy charity than to give myself over to mine own cupidity but though the former course satisfied me and gained the mastery the latter pleased me and held me mastered nor had i anything to answer thee calling to me awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and christ shall give thee light and when thou didst on all sides show me that what thou sayest was true i convicted by the truth had nothing at all to answer but only those dull and drowsy words anon anon presently leave me but a little but presently presently had no present and my little while went on for a long while in vain i delighted in thy law according to the inner man when another law in my members rebelled against the law of my mind and led me captive under the law of sin which was in my members for the law of sin is the violence of custom whereby the mind is drawn and holden even against its will but deservedly for that it willingly fell into it who then should deliver me thus wretched from the body of this death but thy grace only through jesus christ our lord chapter six and how thou didst deliver me out of the bonds of desire wherewith i was bound most straitly to carnal concupiscence and out of the drudgery of worldly things i will now declare and confess unto thy name o lord my helper and my redeemer amid increasing anxiety i was doing my wonted business and daily sighing unto thee i attended thy church whenever free from the business under the burden of which i groaned alypius was with me now after the third sitting released from his law business and awaiting to whom to sell his counsel as i sold the skill of speaking if indeed teaching can impart it nebridius had now in consideration of our friendship consented to teach under verisundus a citizen and a grammarian of milan and a very intimate friend of us all who urgently desired and by the right of friendship challenged from our company such faithful aid as he greatly needed nebridius who was not drawn to this by any desire of advantage for he might have made much more of his learning had he so willed but as a most kind and gentle friend he would not be wanting to a good office and slight our request but he acted herein very discreetly shunning to become known to personages great according to this world avoiding the distraction of mind thence ensuing and desiring to have it free and at leisure as many hours as might be to seek or read or hear something concerning wisdom upon a day then nebridius being absent i recollect not why lo there came to see me and alypius one pontitanius our countryman so far as being an african in high office in the emperor's court what he would with us i knew not but we sat down to converse and it happened that upon a table for some game before us he observed a book took opened it and contrary to his expectation found it the apostle paul for he had thought it some of those books which i was wearing myself in teaching whereat smiling and looking at me he expressed his joy and wonder that he had on a sudden found this book and this only before my eyes for he was a christian and baptized and often bowed himself before thee our god in the church in frequent and continued prayers when then i had told him that i bestowed very great pains upon those scriptures a conversation arose suggested by his account on antony the egyptian monk whose name was in high reputation among thy servants though to that hour unknown to us which when he discovered he dwelt the more upon that subject informing and wondering at our ignorance of one so eminent but we stood amazed hearing thy wonderful works most fully attested in times so recent 
and almost in our own wrought in the true faith and church catholic we all wondered we that were so great and he that they had not reached us thence his discourse turned to the flocks in the monasteries and their holy ways a sweet-smelling savour unto thee and the fruitful deserts of the wilderness whereof we knew nothing and there was a monastery at milan full of good brethren without the city walls under the fostering care of ambrose and we knew it not he went on with his discourse and we listened in intent silence he told us then how one afternoon at trier's when the emperor was taken up with the circensian games he and three others his companions went out to walk in gardens near the city walls and there as they happened to walk in pairs one went apart with him and the other two wandered by themselves and these in their wanderings lighted upon a certain cottage inhabited by certain of thy servants poor in spirit of whom is the kingdom of heaven and there they found a little book containing the life of antony this one of them began to read admire and kindle at it and as he read to meditate on taking up such a life and giving over his secular service to serve thee and these two were of those whom they style agents for the public affairs then suddenly filled with a holy love and a sober shame in anger with himself he cast his eyes upon his friend saying tell me i pray thee what would we obtain by all these labours of ours what aim we at what serve we for can our hopes in court rise higher than to be the emperor's favourites and in this what is there not brittle and full of perils and by how many perils arrive we at a greater peril and when arrive we thither but a friend of god if i wish it i become now at once so spake he and in pain with the travail of a new life he turned his eyes again upon the book and read on and was changed inwardly where thou sawest and his mind was stripped of the world as soon appeared for as he read and rolled up and down the waves of his heart he stormed at himself a while then discerned and determined on a better course and now being thine said to his friend now i have broken loose from those our hopes and am resolved to serve god and this from this hour in this place i begin upon if thou likest not to imitate me oppose not the other answered he would cleave to him to partake so glorious a reward so glorious a service thus both being now thine were building the tower at the necessary cost the forsaking all that they had and following thee then pontianus and the other with him that had walked in the other parts of the garden came in search of them to the same place and finding them reminded them to return for the day was now far spent but they relating their resolution and purpose and how that will was begun and settled in them begged them if they would not join not to molest them but the others though nothing altered from their former selves did not yet bewail themselves as he affirmed and piously congratulated them recommending themselves to their prayers and so with hearts lingering on the earth went away to the palace but the other two fixing their heart on heaven remained in the cottage and both had affianced brides whom when they heard hereof also dedicated their virginity unto god End of Book 8, Chapter 6book eight chapters seven to twelve of the confessions by st augustine translated by e b pusey this librivox recording is in the public domain read by marianne book eight chapter seven such was the story of pontianus but thou o lord while he was speaking didst turn me round towards myself 
taking me from behind my back where i had placed me unwilling to observe myself and setting me before my own face that i might see how foul i was how crooked and defiled bespotted and ulcerous and i beheld and stood aghast and whither to flee from myself i found not and if i sought to turn mine eye off from myself he went on with his relation and thou again didst set me over against myself and thou thrustest me before my eyes that i might find out mine iniquity and hate it i had known it but made as though i saw it not winked at it and forgot it but now the more ardently i loved those whose healthful affections i heard of that they had resigned themselves wholly to thee to be cured the more did i abhor myself when compared with them for many of my years some twelve had now run out with me since my nineteenth when upon the reading of cicero's hortensius i was stirred to an earnest love of wisdom and still i was deferring to reject mere earthly felicity and give myself to search out that whereof not the finding only but the very search was to be preferred to the treasures and kingdoms of the world though already found and to the pleasures of the body though spread around me at my will but i wretched most wretched in the very commencement of my earthly youth had begged chastity of thee and said give me chastity and constancy only not yet for i feared lest thou shouldst hear me soon and soon cure me of the desire of concupiscence which i wished to have satisfied rather than extinguished and i had wandered through crooked ways in a sacrilegious superstition not indeed assured thereof but as preferring it to the others which i did not seek religiously but opposed maliciously and i had thought that i therefore deferred from day to day to reject the hopes of this world and follow thee only because there did not appear aught certain whether to direct my course and now was the day come wherein i was to be laid bare to myself and my conscience was to upbraid me where art thou now my tongue thou saidest that for an uncertain truth thou likest not to cast off the baggage of vanity now it is certain and yet that burden still oppresseth thee while they who neither have so worn themselves out with seeking it nor for ten years and more have been thinking thereon have had their shoulders lightened and received wings to fly away thus was i gnawed within and exceedingly confounded with a horrible shame while pontitianus was still speaking and he having brought to a close his tale and the business he came for went his way and i into myself what said i not against myself with what scourges of condemnation lashed i not my soul that it might follow me striving to go after thee yet it drew back refused but excused not itself all arguments were spent and confuted there remained a mute shrinking and she feared as she would death to be restrained from the flux of that custom whereby she was wasting to death chapter eight then in this great contention of my inward dwelling which i had strongly raised against my soul in the chamber of my heart troubled in mind and countenance i turned upon Olypius. what ails us i exclaim what is it what hurtest thou the unlearned start up and take heaven by force and we with our learning and without heart lo where we wallow in flesh and blood are we ashamed to follow because others are gone before and not ashamed not even to follow some such words i uttered and my fever of mind tore me away from him while he gazing on me in astonishment kept silence for it was not my wonted tone and my forehead cheeks eyes colour tone of voice spake my mind more than the words i uttered 
a little garden there was to our lodging which we had the use of as of the whole house for the master of the house our host was not living there thither had the tumult of my breast hurried me where no man might hinder the hot contention wherein i had engaged with myself until it should end as thou knewest i knew not only i was healthfully distracted and dying to live knowing what evil thing i was and not knowing what good thing i was shortly to become i retired then into the garden and olypius on my steps for his presence did not lessen my privacy or how could he forsake me so disturbed we sat down as far removed as might be from the house i was troubled in spirit most vehemently indignant that i had entered not into thy will and covenant o my god which all my bones cried out unto me to enter and praised it to the skies and therein we enter not by ships or chariots or feet no move not so far as i had come from the house to that place where we were sitting for not to go only but to go in thither was nothing else but to will to go but to will resolutely and thoroughly not to turn and toss this way and that a maimed and half-divided will struggling with one part sinking as another rose lastly in the very fever of my irresoluteness i made with my body many such motions as men sometimes would but cannot if either they have not the limbs or these be bound with bands weakened with infirmity or any other way hindered thus if i tore my hair beat my forehead if locking my fingers i clasped my knee i willed i did it but i might have willed and not done it if the power of motion in my limbs had not obeyed so many things then i did when to will was not in itself to be able and i did not what both i longed incomparably more to do and which soon after when i should will i should be able to do because soon after when i should will i should will thoroughly for in these things the ability was one with the will and to will was to do and yet it was not done and more easily did my body obey the weakest willing of my soul in moving its limbs at its nod than the soul obeyed itself to accomplish in the will alone this momentous will chapter nine whence is this monstrousness and to what end let thy mercy gleam that i may ask if so be the secret penalties of men and those dark pangs of the sons of adam may perhaps answer me whence is this monstrousness and to what end the mind commands the body and it obeys instantly the mind commands itself and is resisted the mind commands the hand to be moved and such readiness is there that command is scarce distinct from obedience yet the mind is mind the hand is body the mind commands the mind its own self to will and yet it doth not whence this monstrousness and to what end it commands itself i say to will and would not command unless it willed and what it commands is not done but it willeth not entirely therefore doth it not command entirely for so far forth it commandeth as it willeth and so far forth the thing is commanded not done as it willeth not for the will commandeth that there be a will not another but itself but it doth not command entirely therefore what it commandeth is not for were the will entire it would not even command it to be because it would already be it is therefore no monstrousness partly to will partly to nil but a disease of the mind that it doth not wholly rise by truth borne up borne down by custom and therefore are there two wills 
for that one of them is not entire, and what the one lacketh the other hath. Chapter 10 Let them perish from thy presence, O God, as perish vain talkers and seducers of the soul, who, observing that in deliberating there were two wills, affirm that there are two minds in us of two kinds, one good, the other evil. Themselves are truly evil when they hold these evil things, and themselves shall become good when they hold the truth, and assent unto the truth, that thy apostle may say to them, Ye were sometimes darkness, but now light in the Lord. But they, wishing to be light, not in the Lord, but in themselves, imagining the nature of the soul to be that which God is, are made more gross darkness through a dreadful arrogancy, for that they went back farther from thee, the true light that enlighteneth every man that cometh into the world. Take heed what you say, and blush for shame. Draw near unto him, and be enlightened, and your faces shall not be ashamed. Myself, when I was deliberating upon serving the Lord my God now, as I had long purposed it, it was I who willed, I who nilled, I, I myself. I neither willed entirely, nor nilled entirely, therefore was I at strife with myself, and rent asunder by myself. And this rent befell me against my will, and yet indicated not the presence of another mind, but the punishment of mine own. Therefore it was no more I that wrought it, but sin that dwelt in me, the punishment of a sin more freely committed, in that I was a son of Adam. For if there be so many contrary natures, as there be conflicting wills, there shall now be not two only, but many. If a man deliberate, whether he should go to their conventicle, or to the theatre, these Manichees cry out, Behold, here are two natures, one good draws this way, another bad draws back that way. For whence else is this hesitation between conflicting wills? But I say, that both be bad, that which draws to them, as that which draws back to the theatre. But they believe not that will to be other than good, which draws to them. What then if no one of us should deliberate, and amid the strife of his two wills, be in a strait, whether he should go to the theatre or to our church? Would not these Manichees also be in a strait what to answer? For either they must confess, which they fain would not, that the will which leads to our church is good, as well as theirs, who have received and are held by the mysteries of theirs, or they must suppose two evil natures, and two evil souls, conflicting in one man, and it would not be true, which they say, that there is one good and another bad, or they must be converted to the truth, and no more deny, that where one deliberates, one soul fluctuates between contrary wills. Let them no more say, then, when they perceive two conflicting wills in one man, that the conflict is between two contrary souls, of contrary substances, from two contrary principles, one good and the other bad. For thou, O true God, dost disprove, check, and convict them, as when, both wills being bad, one deliberates, whether he should kill a man by poison, or by the sword, whether he should seize this or that estate of another's, when he cannot both, whether he should purchase pleasure by luxury, or keep his money by covetousness, whether he go to the circus, or to the theatre, if both be open on one day, or thirdly, to rob another's house, if he had the opportunity, or fourthly, to commit adultery, if at the same time he have the means thereof also all these meeting together in the same juncture of time, and all being equally desired, which cannot at one time be acted, for they rend the mind amid four, or even, amid the vast variety of things desired, more conflicting wills, 
nor do they yet allege that there are so many diverse substances so also in wills which are good for i ask them is it good to take pleasure in reading the apostle or good to take pleasure in a sober psalm or good to discourse on the gospel they will answer to each it is good what then if all give equal pleasure and all at once do not diverse wills distract the mind while he deliberates which he should rather choose yet all they are good and are at variance till one be chosen whether the one entire will may be born which before was divided into many thus also when above eternity delights us and the pleasure of temporal goods holds us down below it is the same soul which willeth not this or that with an entire will and therefore is rent asunder with grievous perplexities while out of truth it sets this first but out of habit it sets not that aside chapter eleven thus soul-sick was i and tormented accusing myself much more severely than my wont rolling and turning me in my chain till that there were wholly broken whereby i now was but just but still was held and thou o lord presseth upon me in my upward parts by a severe mercy redoubling the lashes of fear and shame lest i should again give way and not bursting that same slight remaining tie it should recover strength and bind me the faster for i said within myself be it done now be it done now and as i spake i all but enacted it i all but did it and did it not yet sunk not back to my former state but kept my stand hard by and took breath and i essayed again and wanted somewhat less of it and somewhat less and all but touched and laid hold of it and yet came not at it nor touched nor laid hold of it hesitating to die to death and live to life and the worse whereto i was inured prevailed more with me than the better whereto i was inured at the very moment wherein i was to become other than i was the nearer it approached me the greater horror did it strike into me yet did it not strike me back nor turned me away but held me in suspense the very toy of toys and vanity of vanities my ancient mistresses still held me they plucked my fleshly garment and whispered softly dost thou cast us off and from that moment shall we no more be with thee for ever and from that moment shall not this or that be lawful for thee for ever and what was it which they suggested in that i said this or that what did they suggest o my god let thy mercy turn it away from the soul of thy servant what defilements did they suggest what shame and now i much less than half heard them and not openly showing themselves and contradicting me but muttering as it were behind my back and privily plucking me as i was departing but to look back on them yet they did not retard me so that i hesitated to burst and shake myself free from them and to spring over whither i was called a violent habit saying to me thinkest thou thou canst live without them but now it spake very faintly for on that side whither i had set my face and whither i trembled to go there appeared to me the chaste dignity of contency serene yet not relaxedly gay honestly alluring me to come and doubt not and stretching forth to receive and embrace me her holy hands full of multitudes of good examples there were so many young men and maidens here a multitude of youth and every age grave widows and aged virgins and continence herself in all not barren but a fruitful mother of children of joys by thee her husband a lord and she smiled on me with a persuasive mockery as would she say canst thou not what these use 
what these maidens can or can they either in themselves and not rather in the lord their god the lord their god gave me unto them why standest thou in thyself and so standest not cast thyself upon him fear not he will not withdraw himself that thou shouldest fall cast thyself fearlessly upon him he will receive and will heal thee and i blushed exceedingly for that i yet heard the muttering of those toys and hung in suspense and she again seemed to say stop thine ears against those thy unclean members of the earth that they may be mortified they tell thee of delights but not as doth the law of the lord thy god this controversy in my heart was self against self only but Olypius, sitting close by my side in silence waited the issue of my unwonted emotion chapter twelve but when a deep consideration had from the secret bottom of my soul drawn together and heaped up all my misery in the sight of my heart there arose a mighty storm bringing a mighty shower of tears which that i might pour forth wholly in its natural expressions i rose from Olypius. solitude was suggested to me as fitter for the business of weeping so i retired so far that even his presence could not be a burden to me thus it was then with me and he perceiving something of it for something i suppose i had spoken wherein the tones of my voice appeared choked with weeping and so had risen up he then remained where we were sitting most extremely astonished i cast myself down i know not how under a certain fig tree giving full vent to my tears and the floods of mine eyes gushed out an acceptable sacrifice to thee and not indeed in these words yet to this purpose spake i much unto thee and thou o lord how long how long lord wilt thou be angry for ever remember not our former iniquities for i felt that i was held by them i sent up these sorrowful words how long how long to-morrow and to-morrow why not now why not is there this hour an end to my uncleanness so was i speaking and weeping in the most bitter contrition of my heart when lo i heard from a neighbouring house a voice as of a boy or girl i know not chanting and oft repeating take up and read take up and read instantly my countenance altered i began to think most intently whether children were wont in any kind of play to sing such words nor could i remember ever to have heard the like so checking the torrent of my tears i arose interpreting it to be no other than a command from god to open the book and read the first chapter i should find for i had heard of anthony that coming in during the reading of the gospel he received the admonition as if what was being read was spoken to him go sell all that thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and follow me and by such oracle he was forthwith converted unto thee eagerly then i returned to the place where Olypius was sitting for there i had laid the volume of the apostle when i arose thence i seized opened and in silence read that section on which my eyes first fell not in rioting and drunkenness not in chambering and wantonness not in strife and envying but put ye on the lord jesus christ and make not provision for the flesh in concupiscence no further would i read nor needed i for instantly at the end of this sentence by a light as it were of serenity infused into my heart all the darkness of doubt vanished away then putting my finger between or some other mark i shut the volume and with a calmed countenance made it known to Olypius. and what was wrought in him which i knew not he thus showed me he asked to see what i had read i showed him 
and he looked even further than i had read and i knew not what followed this followed him that is weak in faith receive which he applied to himself and disclosed to me and by this admonition he was strengthened and by a good resolution and purpose and most corresponding to his character wherein he did always very far differ from me for the better without any turbulent delay he joined me thence we go in to my mother we tell her she rejoiceth we relate in order how it took place she leaps for joy and triumpheth and blesseth thee who art able to do above that which we ask or think for she perceived that thou hast given her more for me than she was wont to beg by her pitiful and most sorrowful groanings for thou convertest me unto thyself so that i sought neither wife nor any hope in this world standing in that rule of faith where thou hast showed me unto her in a vision so many years before and thou didst convert her mourning into joy much more plentiful than she had desired and in a much more precious and purer way than she erst required by having grandchildren of my body end of book eight book nine chapters one to five of the confessions by saint augustine translated by e b pusey this LibriVox recording is in the public domain read by marianne book nine augustine determines to devote his life to god and to abandon his profession of rhetoric quietly however retires to the country to prepare himself to receive the grace of baptism and is baptized with Olybius and his son adiodatus at ostia on his way to africa his mother monica dies in her fifty-sixth year the thirty-third of augustine her life and character chapter one o lord i am thy servant i am thy servant and the son of thy handmaid thou hast broken my bonds in sunder i will offer to thee the sacrifice of praise let my heart and my tongue praise thee yea let all my bones say o lord who is like unto thee let them say and answer thou me and say unto my soul i am thy salvation who am i and what am i what evil have not been either my deeds or if my deeds my words or if not my words my will but thou o lord art good and merciful and thy right hand had respect unto the depth of my death and from the bottom of my heart emptied that abyss of corruption and this thy whole gift was to nil what i willed and to will what thou willest but where through all these years and out of what low and deep recesses was my free will called forth in a moment whereby to submit my neck unto thy easy yoke and my shoulders unto thy light burden o christ jesus my helper and my redeemer how sweet did it at once become to me to want the sweetness of those toys and what i feared to be parted from was now a joy to part with for thou didst cast them forth from me thou true and highest sweetness thou castest them forth and for them enterest in thyself sweeter than all pleasure though not to flesh and blood brighter than all light but more hidden than all depths higher than all honour but not to the high in their own conceits nor was my soul free from the biting cares of canvassing and getting and weltering in filth and scratching off the itch of lust and my infant tongue spake freely to thee my brightness 
and my riches and my health, the Lord my God. Chapter 2 And I resolved in thy sight, not tumultuously to tear, but gently to withdraw the service of my tongue from the marts of lip-labor, that the young, no students in thy law, nor in thy peace, but in lying dotages and law skirmishes, should no longer buy at my mouth arms for their madness. And very seasonably it now wanted but very few days unto the vacation of the vintage, and I resolved to endure them, then in a regular way to take my leave, and having been purchased by thee, no more to return for sale. Our purpose then was to know thee, but to men, other than our own friends, it was not known. For we had agreed among ourselves not to let it out abroad to any, although to us, now ascending from the valley of tears, and singing that song of degrees, thou hadst given sharp arrows, and destroying coals against the subtle tongue, which, as though advising us, would thwart, and would out of love devour us, as it doth its meat. Thou hadst pierced our hearts with thy charity, and we carried thy words, as it were fixed in our entrails, and the examples of thy servants, whom for black thou hast made bright, and for dead, alive, being piled together in the receptacle of our thoughts, kindled and burned up that our heavy tuper, that we should not sink down to the abyss. And they fired us so vehemently, that all the blasts of subtle tongues from gainsayers might only inflame us the more fiercely, not extinguish us. Nevertheless, because for thy name's sake, which thou hast hallowed throughout the earth, this our vow and purpose might also find some to commend it, it seemed like ostentation not to wait for the vacation now so near, but to quit beforehand a public profession, which was before the eyes of all. So that all looking on this act of mine, and observing how near was the time of vintage which I wished to anticipate, would talk much of me, as if I had desired to appear some great one. And what end had it served me, that people should repute and dispute upon my purpose, and that our good should be evil spoken of? Moreover, it had at first troubled me, that in this very summer my lungs began to give way, amid too great literary labor, and to breathe deeply with difficulty, and by the pain in my chest to show that they were injured, and to refuse any full or lengthened speaking. This had troubled me, for it almost constrained me of necessity to lay down that burden of teaching, or, if I could be cured and recover, at least to intermit it. But when the full wish for leisure, that I might see how that thou art the Lord, arose, and was fixed in me, my God, thou knowest, I began even to rejoice that I had this secondary, and that no feigned, excuse, which might something moderate the offence taken by those, who for their sons' sake wished me never to have the freedom of thy sons. For then of such joy I endured till the interval of time were run, it may have been some twenty days, yet they were endured manfully, endured for the covetousness which aforetime bore a part of this heavy business, had left me, and I remained alone, and had been overwhelmed, had not patience taken its place. Perchance some of thy servants, my brethren, may say, that I sinned in this, that with a heart fully set on thy service I suffered myself to sit even one hour in the chair of lies, nor would I be contentious, but hast not thou, O most merciful Lord, pardoned and remitted this sin also, with my other most horrible and deadly sins, in the holy water? CHAPTER Three, 
Vericundus was worn down with care about this our blessedness, for that being held back by bonds, whereby he was most straitly bound, he saw that he should be severed from us. For he was not yet a Christian, his wife one of the faithful, and yet hereby, more rigidly than any other chain, he was let and hindered from the journey which we had now essayed. For he would not, he said, be a Christian on any other terms than on those he could not. However, he offered us courteously to remain at his country house so long as we should stay there. Thou, O Lord, shalt reward him in the resurrection of the just, seeing thou hast already given him the lot of the righteous. For although, in our absence, he being now at Rome, he was seized with bodily sickness, and therein being made a Christian, and one of the faithful, he departed this life. Yet hast thou not mercy not only on him, but on us also, lest remembering the exceeding kindness of our friend towards us, yet unable to number him among thy flock, we should be agonized with intolerable sorrow. Thanks unto thee, our God, we are thine. Thy suggestions and consolations tell us, faithful in promises, thou now requitest Vercundus for his country house of Cassiacum, where from the fever of the world we reposed in thee, with the eternal freshness of thy paradise, for that thou hast forgiven him his sins upon earth, in that rich mountain, that mountain which yieldeth milk, thine own mountain. He then had at that time sorrow, but nebridious joy, for although he also, not being yet a Christian, had fallen into the pit of that most pernicious error, believing the flesh of thy son to be a phantom, yet emerging thence, he believed as we did, not as yet endued with any sacraments of thy church, but a most ardent searcher out of truth, whom, not long after our conversion and regeneration by thy baptism, being also a faithful member of the church catholic, and serving the imperfect chastity and continence amongst his people in Africa, his whole house having through him first been made Christian, didst thou release from the flesh, and now he lives in Abraham's bosom. Whatever that be, which is signified by that bosom, there lives my Nebridius, my sweet friend and thy child, O Lord, adopted of a freed man. There he liveth. For what other place is there for such a soul? There he liveth, whereof he asked much of me, a poor inexperienced man. Now lays he not his ear to my mouth, but his spiritual mouth unto thy fountain, and drinketh as much as he can receive, wisdom in proportion to his thirst, endless happy. Nor do I think that he is so inebriated therewith, as to forget me, seeing thou, Lord, whom he drinketh, art mindful of us. So were we then, comforting Vericundus, who sorrowed, as far as friendship permitted, that our conversation was of such sort, and exhorting him to become faithful, according to his measure, namely, of a married estate, and awaiting Nebridius to follow us, which being so near, he was all but doing, and so, lo, those days rolled by at length, for the love I bear to the easeful liberty, that I might sing to thee from my inmost morrow. My heart has said unto thee, I have sought thy face, thy face, Lord, will I seek. CHAPTER Four. Now was the day come, wherein I was indeed to be freed of my rhetoric professorship, whereof in thought I was already freed, and it was done. Thou didst rescue my tongue, whence thou hadst before rescued my heart. And I blessed thee, rejoicing, retiring with all mine to the villa. 
what i there did in writing which was now enlisted in thy service though still in this breathing time as it were panting from the school of pride my books may witness as well what i debated with others as what with myself alone before thee what with nebridius who was absent my epistles bear witness and when shall i have time to rehearse all thy great benefits towards us at that time especially when hasting on to yet greater mercies for my remembrance recalls me and pleasant is it to me o lord to confess to thee by what inward goads thou tamest me and how thou hast evened me lowering the mountains and hills of my high imaginations straightening my crookedness and smoothing my rough ways and how thou also subduest the brother of my heart alypius unto the name of thy only begotten our lord and saviour jesus christ which he would not at first vouchsafe to have inserted into our writings for rather would he have them savour of the lofty cedars of the schools which the lord hath now broken down than of the wholesome herbs of the church the antidote against serpents o in what accents spake i unto thee my god when i read the psalms of david whose faithful songs and sounds of devotion which allow of no swelling spirit as yet a catechumen and a novice in thy real love resting in that villa with Olypius a catechumen my mother cleaving to us in female garb with masculine faith with the tranquillity of age motherly love christian piety o oh, what a sense did i utter unto thee in those psalms and how was i by them kindled towards thee and on fire to rehearse them if possible through the whole world against the pride of mankind and yet they are sung through the whole world nor can any hide thyself from thy heat with what vehement and bitter sorrow i was angered at the manichees and again i pitied them for that they knew not those sacraments those medicines and were mad against the antidote which might have recovered them of their madness how i would they had been somewhere near me and without my knowing that they were there could have beheld my countenance and heard my words when i read the fourth psalm in that time of my rest and how that psalm wrought upon me when i called the god of my righteousness heard me in tribulation thou enlargest me have mercy upon me lord and hear my prayer would that what i uttered on these words they could hear without my knowing whether they heard lest they should think i spake it for their sakes because in truth neither should i speak the same things nor in the same way if i perceived that they heard and saw me nor if i spake them would they so receive them as when i spake by and for myself before thee out of the natural feelings of my soul i trembled for fear and again kindled with hope and with rejoicing in thy mercy o father and all issued forth both by mine eyes and voice when thy good spirit turning unto us said o ye sons of men how long slow of heart why do you love vanity and seek after leasing for i had loved vanity and sought after leasing and thou o lord hast already manifested thy holy one raising him from the dead and setting him at thy right hand whence from on high he should send his promise the comforter the spirit of truth and he had already sent him but i knew it not he had sent him because he was now magnified rising again from the dead and ascending into heaven for till then the spirit was not given because jesus was not yet glorified and the prophet cries out how long slow of heart why do ye love vanity and seek after leasing 
know this that the lord hath magnified his holy one he cries out how long he cries out know this and i so long not knowing loved vanity and sought after leasing and therefore i heard and trembled because it was spoken unto such as i remembered myself to have been for in those phantoms which i had held for truths there were vanity and leasing and i spake aloud many things earnestly and forcefully in the bitterness of my remembrance which would they heard who yet love vanity and seek after leasing they would perchance have been troubled and have vomited it up and thou wouldst hear them when they cried unto thee for by a true death in the flesh did he die for us who now intercedeth unto thee for us i further read be angry and sin not and how was i moved o my god who had learned to be angry at myself for things past that i might not sin in time to come yea to be justly angry for that it was not another nature of a people of darkness which sinned for me as they say who are not angry at themselves and treasure up wrath against the day of wrath and the revelation of thy judgment nor were my good things now without nor sought with the eyes of flesh in that earthly sun for they that would have joy from without soon became vain and wasted themselves on the things seen and temporal and in their famished thoughts do lick their very shadows oh that they were wearied with their famine and said who will show us good things and we would say and they hear the light of thy countenance is sealed upon us for we are not that light which enlighteneth every man but are enlightened by thee having been sometimes darkness we may be light in thee oh that they could see the eternal internal which having tasted i was grieved that i could not show it them so long as they brought me their heart and their eyes roving abroad from thee while they said who will show us good things for there where i was angry with myself in my chamber where i was inwardly pricked where i had sacrificed slaying my old man and commencing the purpose of a new life putting my trust in thee there hadst thou begun to grow sweet unto me and hadst put gladness in my heart and i cried out as i read this outwardly finding it inwardly nor would i be multiplied with worldly goods wasting away time and wasted by time whereas i had in thy eternal simple essence other corn wine and oil and with a loud cry of my heart i cried out in the next verse o oh, in peace o oh, for the self-same o oh, what said he i will lay me down and sleep for who shall hinder us when cometh to pass that saying which is written death is swallowed up in victory and thou surpassingly art the self-same who art not changed and in thee is rest which forgetteth all toil for there is none other with thee nor are we to seek those many other things which are not what thou art but thou lord alone hast made me dwell in hope i read and kindled nor found i what to do to those deaf and dead of whom myself had been a pestilent person a bitter and a blind bawler against those writings which are honeyed with the honey of heaven and lightsome with thine own light and i was consumed with zeal at the enemies of this scripture when shall i recall all which passed in those holy days yet neither have i forgotten nor will i pass over the severity of thy scourge and the wonderful swiftness of thy mercy thou didst then torment me with pain in my teeth 
which when it had come to such height for that i could not speak it came into my heart to desire all my friends present to pray for me to thee the god of all manner of health and this i wrote on wax and gave it them to read presently so soon as with humble devotion we had bowed our knees that pain went away but what pain or how went it away i was affrighted o lord my god for from infancy i had never experienced the like and the power of thy nod was deeply conveyed to me and rejoicing in faith i praised thy name and that faith suffered me not to be at ease about my past sins which were not yet forgiven me by thy baptism chapter five the vintage vacation ended i gave notice to the milanese to provide their scholars with another master to sell words to them for that i had both made choice to serve thee and through my difficulty of breathing and pain in my chest was not equal to the professorship and by letters i signified to thy prelate the holy man ambrose my former errors and present desires begging his advice what of thy scriptures i had best read to become readier and fitter for receiving so great grace he recommended isaiah the prophet i believe because he above the rest is a more clear foreshower of the gospel and of the calling of the gentiles but i not understanding the first lesson in him and imagining the whole to be like it laid it by to be resumed when better practised in our lord's own words and a book nine chapter five Book Nine, Chapters Six to Ten of *The Confessions* by Saint Augustine, translated by E. B. Pusey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Book Nine, Chapter Six. Thence, when the time was come wherein I was to give in my name, we left the country and returned to Milan. It pleased Alypius also to be with me, born again in thee, being already clothed with the humility befitting thy sacraments and a most valiant tamer of the body so as with unwonted venture to wear the frozen ground of italy with his bare feet we joined with us the boy adiodatus born after the flesh of my sin excellently hadst thou made him he was not quite fifteen and in wit surpassed many grave and learned men i confess unto thee thy gifts o lord my god creator of all and abundantly able to reform our deformities for i had no part in that boy but the sin for that we brought him up in thy discipline it was thou none else had inspired us with it i confess unto thee thy gifts there is a book of ours entitled the master it is a dialogue between him and me thou knowest that all there ascribed to the person conversing with me were his ideas in his sixteenth year much besides and yet more admirable i found in him that talent struck awe into me and who but thou could be the workmaster of such wonders soon didst thou take his life from the earth and i now remember him without anxiety fearing nothing for his childhood or youth or his whole self him we joined with us our contemporary in grace to be brought up in thy discipline and we were baptized and anxiety for our past life vanished from us nor was i sated in those days with the wondrous sweetness of considering the depth of thy counsels concerning the salvation of mankind how did i weep in thy hymns and canticles touched to the quick by the voices of thy sweet attuned church the voices flowed into mine ears and the truth distilled into my heart whence the affections of my devotion overflowed 
and tears ran down, and happy was I therein. Chapter 7 Not long had the church of Milan begun to use this kind of consolation and exhortation, the brethren zealously joining with harmony of voices and hearts, for it was a year, or not much more, that Justina, mother to the emperor Valentinian, a child, persecuted thy servant Ambrose, in favor of her heresy, to which she was seduced by the Arians. The devout people kept watch in the church, ready to die with their bishop, thy servant. There my mother, thy handmaid, bearing a chief part of these anxieties and watchings, lived for prayer. We, yet unwarmed by the heat of thy spirit, still were stirred up by the sight of the amazed and disquieted city. Then it was first instituted that after the manner of the eastern churches, hymns and psalms should be sung, lest the people should wax faint through the tediousness of sorrow. And from that day to this the custom is retained, divers, yea, almost all of thy congregations, throughout other parts of the world, following herein. Then didst thou by a vision discover to thy forenamed bishop, where the bodies of Gervasius and Protasius, the martyrs lay hid, whom thou hast in thy secret treasury stored uncorrupted so many years, whence thou mightest seasonably produce them to repress the fury of a woman, but an empress. For when they were discovered and dug up, and with due honour translated to the Ambrosian Basilica, not only they who were vexed with unclean spirits, the devils confessing themselves, were cured, but a certain man, who had for many years been blind, a citizen, and well known to the city, asking and hearing the reason of the people's confused joy, sprang forth, desiring his guide to lead him thither. Led thither, he begged to be allowed to touch with his handkerchief the bearer of thy saints, whose death is precious in thy sight. Which when he had done, and put to his eyes, they were forthwith opened. Thence did the fame spread, thence thy praises glowed, shone, thence the mind of that enemy, though not turned to the soundness of believing, was yet turned back from her fury of persecuting. Thanks to thee, O my God! Whence and whither hast thou thus led my remembrance, that I should confess these things also unto thee? Which great though they be, I had passed in forgetfulness. And yet then, when the odour of thy ointment was so fragrant, did we not run after thee? Therefore did I more weep among the singing of thy hymns, formerly sighing after thee, and at length breathing in thee, as far as the breath may enter into this house of grass. CHAPTER Eight. Thou that makest men to dwell, of one mind in one house, didst join with us Iodius also, a young man of our own city, who being an officer of the court, was before us converted to thee and baptized, and quitting his secular warfare, girded himself to thine. We were together, about to dwell together in our devout purpose, we sought where we might serve thee most usefully, and were together returning to Africa, whitherward being as far as Ostia, my mother departed this life. Much I omit, as hastening much. Receive my confessions and thanksgivings, O my God, for innumerable things whereof I am silent. But I will not omit whatsoever my soul would bring forth concerning that thy handmaid who brought me forth, both in the flesh, that I might have been born to this temporal light, and in the heart, that I might be born to light eternal. Not her gifts, but thine in her, would I speak of, for neither did she make nor educate herself. Thou createst her. 
nor did her father and mother know what a one should come from them and the sceptre of thy christ the disciple of thine only son in a christian house a good member of thy church educated her in thy fear yet for her good discipline she was wont to commend not so much her mother's diligence as that of a certain decrepit maidservant who had carried her father when a child as little ones used to be carried at the backs of elder girls for which reason and for her great age and excellent conversation was she in that christian family well respected by its heads whence also the charge of her master's daughter was entrusted to her to which she gave diligent heed restraining them earnestly when necessary with a holy severity and teaching them with a grave discretion for except at those hours wherein they were most temperately fed at their parents table she would not suffer them though parched with thirst to drink even water preventing an evil custom and adding to this wholesome advice ye drink water now because ye have not wine in your power but when you come to be married and be made mistress of cellars and cupboards you will scorn water but the custom of drinking will abide by this method of instruction and the authority she had she refrained the greediness of childhood and moulded their very thirst into such an excellent moderation that what they should not that they would not and yet as thy handmaid told me her son there had crept upon her a love of wine for when as the manner was she as though a sober maiden was bidden by her parents to draw wine out of the hogshead holding the vessel under the opening before she poured the wine into the flagon she sipped a little with the tip of her lips for more her instinctive feelings refused for this she did not out of any desire of drink but out of the exuberance of youth whereby it boils over in mirthful freaks which in youthful spirits are wont to be kept under by the gravity of their elders and thus by adding to that little daily littles for who despiseth little things shall fall by little and little she had fallen into such a habit as greedily to drink off her little cup brim full almost of wine where was then that discreet old woman and that her earnest countermanding would aught avail against a secret disease if thy healing hand o lord watch not over us father mother and governors absent thou present who createst who callest who also by those set over us workest something towards the salvation of our souls what didst thou then o my god how didst thou cure her how heal her didst thou not out of another soul bring forth a hard and a sharp taunt like a lancet out of thy secret store and with one touch remove all that foul stuff for a maidservant with whom she used to go to the cellar falling to words as it happens with her little mistress when alone with her taunted her with this fault with most bitter insult calling her a wine-biber with which taunt she stung to the quick saw the foulness of her fault and instantly condemned and forsook it as flattering friends pervert so reproachful enemies mostly correct yet not what by them thou doest but what themselves purpose thou dost repay them for she in her anger sought to vex her young mistress not to amend her and did it in private either for that the time and place of the quarrel so found them or lest herself also should have anger for discovering it thus late but thou lord governor of all heaven and earth who turnest to thy purpose the deepest currents and the ruled turbulence of the tide of the times didst by the very unhealthiness of one soul heal another lest any when he observes this should ascribe it to his own power 
even when another whom he wished to be reformed is reformed through words of his chapter nine brought up thus modestly and soberly and made subject rather by thee to her parents than by her parents to thee so soon as she was of marriageable age being bestowed upon a husband she served him as her lord and did her diligence to win him unto thee preaching thee unto him by her conversation and by which thou ornamentest her making her reverently amiable and admirable unto her husband and she so endured the wronging of her bed as never to have any quarrel with her husband thereon for she looked for thy mercy upon him that believing in thee he might be made chaste but besides this he was fervid as in his affections so in anger but she had learnt not to resist an angry husband not in deed only but not even in word only when he was smoothed and tranquil and in a temper to receive it she would give an account of her actions if haply he had over hastily taken offence in a word while many matrons who had milder husbands yet bore even in their faces marks of shame would in familiar talk blame their husbands lives she would blame their tongues giving them as in jest earnest advice that from the time they heard the marriage writings read to them they should account them as indentures whereby they were made servants and also remembering their condition ought not to set themselves up against their lords and they knowing what a choleric husband she endured marvelled that it had never been heard nor by any token perceived that patricius had beaten his wife or that there had been any domestic difference between them even for one day and confidentially asking the reason she taught them her practice above mentioned those wives who observed it found the good and returned thanks those who observed it not found no relief and suffered her mother-in-law also at first by whisperings of evil servants incensed against her she so overcame by observance and persevering endurance and meekness that she of her own accord discovered to her son the meddling tongues whereby the domestic peace betwixt her and her daughter-in-law had been disturbed asking him to correct them then when in compliance with his mother and for the well-ordering of the family and the harmony of its members he had with stripes corrected those discovered at her will who had discovered them she promised the like reward to any who to please her should speak ill of her daughter-in-law to her and none now venturing they lived together with a remarkable sweetness of mutual kindness this great gift also thou bestowest o my god my mercy upon that good handmaid of thine in whose womb thou createst me that between any disagreeing and discordant parties where she was able she showed herself such a peacemaker that hearing on both sides most bitter things such as swelling and ingested choler used to break out into when the credulities of enmities are breathed out in sour discourses to a present friend against an absent enemy she never would disclose aught of the one unto the other but what might tend to their reconcilement a small good this might appear to me did i not to my grief know numberless people who through some horrible and widespreading contagion of sin not only disclose to persons mutually angered things said in anger but add withal things never spoken whereas to humane humanity it ought to seem a light thing not to foment or increase ill-will by ill words unless one study withal by good words to quench it such was she thyself her most inward instructor teaching her in the school of the heart finally her own husband 
towards the very end of his earthly life did she gain unto thee nor had she to complain of that in him as a believer which before he was a believer she had borne from him she was also the servant of thy servants whosoever of them knew her did in her much praise and honour and love thee for that through the witness of the fruits of a holy conversation they perceived thy presence in her heart for she had been the wife of one man had requited her parents had governed her house piously was well reported of for good works had brought up children so often travailing in birth of them as she saw them swerving from thee lastly of all of us thy servants o lord whom on occasion of thine own gift thou sufferest to speak us who before her sleeping in thee lived united together having received the grace of thy baptism did so take care of as though she had been mother of us all so served us as though she had been a child to us all chapter ten the day now approaching whereon she was to depart this life which day thou well knewest we knew not it came to pass thyself as i believe by thy secret way so ordering it that she and i stood alone leaning on a certain window which looked into the garden of the house where we now lay at ostia were removed from the din of men we were recruiting from the fatigues of a long journey for the voyage we were discoursing then together alone very sweetly and forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before we were inquiring between ourselves in the presence of thy truth which thou art of what sort the eternal life of the saints was to be which i hath not seen nor ear heard nor hath it entered into the heart of man but yet we gasped with the mouth of our heart after those heavenly streams of thy fountain the fountain of life which is with thee that being bedewed thence according to our captivity we might in some sort meditate upon so high a mystery and when our discourse was brought to that point that very highest delight of the earthly senses in the very purest material light was in respect of the sweetness of that life not only worthy of comparison but not even of mention we raising up ourselves with a more glowing affection towards the self-same did by degrees pass through all things bodily even the very heaven whence sun and moon and stars shine upon the earth yea we were soaring higher yet by inward musing and discourse and admiring of thy works and we came to our own minds and went beyond them that we might arrive at that region of never-failing plenty where thou feedest israel for ever with the food of truth and where life is the wisdom by whom all these things are made and what have been and what shall be and she is not made but is as she hath been and so shall she ever be yea rather to have been and hereafter to be are not in her but only to be seeing she is eternal for to have been and to be hereafter are not eternal and while we were discoursing and panting after her we slightly touched on her with the whole effect of our heart and we sighed and there we leave bound the first fruits of the spirit and returned to vocal expressions of our mouth where the word spoken has beginning and end and what is like unto thy word o lord who endureth in himself without becoming old and maketh all things new we were saying then if to any the tumult of the flesh were hushed hushed the images of the earth and waters and air hushed also the poles of heaven yea the very soul be hushed to herself and by not thinking on self surmount self hushed all dreams and imaginary revelations every tongue and every sign 
and whatsoever exists only in transition since if any could hear all these say we made not ourselves but he made us that abideth for ever if then having uttered this they too should be hushed having roused only our ears to him who made them and he alone speak not by them but by himself that we may hear his word not through any tongue of flesh nor angel's voice nor sound of thunder nor in the dark riddle of a similitude but might hear whom in these things we love might hear his very self without these as we too now strained ourselves and in swift thought touched on that eternal wisdom which abideth over all could this be continued on and other visions of kind far unlike be withdrawn and this one ravish and absorb and wrap up its beholder amid those inward joys so that life might be for ever that one moment of understanding which now we sighed after were not this enter into thy master's joy and when shall that be when we shall all rise again though we shall not all be changed such things was i speaking and even if not in this very manner and these same words yet lord thou knowest that in that day when we were speaking of these things and this world with all its delights became as we spake contemptible to us my mother said son for mine own part i have no further delight in anything in this life what i do here any longer and to what end i am here i know not now that my hopes in this world are accomplished one thing there was for which i desired to linger for a while in this life that i might see thee a catholic christian before i died my god hath done this for me more abundantly that i should now see thee withal despising earthly happiness become his servant what do i hear End of Book 9, Chapter 10